Good morning. So good to see each of you. Good to worship Jesus with you this morning. If it's your first time here, my name is Kyle, and we're so glad that you are here. And to each and every one of you, it's just a joy uh, to worship together with you. Uh, We're going to get into our sermon on joy in Philippians in just a moment. Um, But the Word of God calls for us as believers to bear one another's burdens and to pray for one another. And I believe that we do that in this church. And we want to do that together this morning for just a few moments. Uh, We have... A little guy in our church, his name's Zane. His name's Zane Westbrook. Um, he's just a few weeks away from being four years old. Um, he is, uh, he's a sick little guy, but he's got a heart of gold. He's got a mom and dad that love the Lord, and they're part of our church. They're actually here in this service, this, uh, service with us this morning, Kirk and Brandy. And uh, we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray for Zane in this service, and we're going to pray for him in our next service. Um, he's got several health issues. He's been in and out of... Um, Children's Hospital. Uh, I don't know if they've been able to keep count. Um, And lately, he's had some um, newer complications, in particular with his kidneys, and to go on top of everything else that he's got going on. I'm not a doctor. I don't understand everything that's happening in his body. I'm not going to try to explain it to you because I'm not capable of doing that. But I can tell you this. He's a sick little guy who needs the Lord to touch him. And so I'm going to ask God to do that this morning. Would you join me in praying for Zane? Father, we bow before you this morning. You're the God who loves us, and you're the God that hears us, and you're the God that came for us, and you care about us. You care about us deeply, and we care about one another. And so right now, I want to lift Zane up to you. Uh, I just thank you for that little guy. He's just got um, incredible personality and incredible heart, and God, you have um, shown yourself in and through him so many times to me. And Father, I thank you for his mom and his dad that love you. I thank you for Kirk and Brandy. And I just lift Zane up to you. I pray that, God, you would grant a miraculous work in his life. God, if you want to use really smart doctors and really smart nurses and really good medicine through Children's Hospital to bring about this healing, we will give you glory. And, Father, if you want to choose just to touch him and make him better, we're going to give you glory. We ask for strength. We ask for healing. We ask for encouragement to rest upon Zane right now. We pray that you go to him right now and you'd touch him. I pray for his mom and dad that you'd encourage them, that you'd strengthen them. Father, I've watched them turn to you again and again and again. And so today, as your church family, we bow before you together, praying in the name of Jesus for you to work a mighty work in Zane's life. God, we love you and we trust you for this. We thank you for allowing us to pray for one another and to be there for one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Since mom and dad are in the room, if you just do me a favor, and if you just would just commit to pray for Zane through the days to come, would you just lift your hand right now and say, I'm going to pray for Zane. Be encouraged by that, mom and dad. Thank you so much. We're going to pray for him. Well, as we lean into our series on joy in the book of Philippians, um, we're going to talk about partnering together today to share this joy, not keeping it, but sharing it. So as I was thinking about partners this week, I was thinking about some of the all-time great uh, partnerships that are out there. And for me, my mind normally goes really quickly to sports, all right? And so if you're a sports fan, you're going to enjoy this. If you're not, you're going to be like, who are these people? If you're a sports fan, you're going to disagree with some of these. But here's the deal. If you preach next week, you can put your favorites on the board. All right? So that's the way that works. All right? So I'm going to give you some of the all-time, in my opinion, great partnerships in sports history. All right? So we got some pictures coming up here. And if you can identify these people, want to nudge your neighbor and tell them who they are, that's great. 
I'm a, I'm a longtime Yankees fan. I can tell you why I'm a Yankees fan. My dad grew up in South Florida in the 50s around spring training, and so he was a Yankees fan, so it got passed down to me. But here we have Ruth and Gehrig, and the next, oh, a few more Yankees, by the way. Um, this is uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. My dad got a ball, a baseball sign for Roger Maris the year that he broke the, the home run record and he hit those many home runs. Uh, my dad was taller than the, all of the kids that were trying to get an autograph and Roger Maris didn't like crowds very much. He was kind of already on the bus and my dad was able to reach up to the window, get him a ball, got it signed. And somehow my aunt has that baseball now and we've got to talk. All right, so anyway, um, next. In my lifetime, uh, this is Jeter and Rivera. I just think they're two of the greatest partners in uh, baseball history. That's my opinion. Again, you can disagree with this. All right, we got some more coming up here. Um, got to go to the Braves, too. Glavin and Maddox, two of the greatest. Man, I tell you what, they combined for a ton of wins. And uh, next, Bird McHale. That's what I grew up watching. It was either green or gold, and I was all about the green. That's just who I was. I cheered for the Celtics. And that's Bird, and that's Kevin McHale. You could throw Robert Parrish in there. Cool story, the whole deal. All right, next. There's no argument here. There's no conversation here. If you know the Lord as your Savior, you know that these guys are the best ever. There's just no arguing that. And if you don't know who they are, in particular with their names on their back, then I don't even know why we're talking. All right, next. Cowboys, these are the boys back in the day. You got to admit, that was the trifecta right there. Aikman and Smith and Irvin, and uh, they did a lot of uh, damage. And then um, I uh, got to thinking about this, and I got to thinking about partners and all these sports partners. But my question for you is, who, who are your partners in life? Okay, who, who are you deeply connected with? I thought about these guys, and I thought, man, they were partnered. They, they enjoyed one another. They, they obviously were connected. They, they read each other well. They understood each other well. They had the same goal. They had the same mission, which was to win. And so they were brought in connection. But who are you partnered with in life? Who are you partnered with in life? Well, if you're married, you're partnered with your spouse, right? There's a partnership there, a deep level soul partnership that's going on. Who are you partnered with at work? Maybe you don't want to think about work right now, so we'll move on from that. Think about these. Who's your hunting partner? Who's your fishing partner? Who's your golf partner? Who's your workout partner? Who's your shopping partner? Who's your spades partner? Who are you partnered with in life? Well, Paul's going to talk about some partnerships that run deep and that are joy-level partnerships. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. We read a few of these verses last week, if you're with us, but I want to read them again to get us to where we're going today because they're so foundational to everything that Paul is sharing with this church in Philippi and therefore is sharing with us today. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. Every time I think of you, who Paul, this man of God, thinking about the church of God, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray... I make my request for all of you with joy. Everybody say that word with me. Joy. It's a good word, isn't it? Just this word, joy. I had a cousin. Uh, I have a cousin. Uh, her name's Joy. And I forget, she's just a couple years older than I was, but she learned how to spell her name really quick, right? Because it was three letters. And she'd go around, she'd introduce herself. My name's Joy. J-O-Y, Joy. All right? Joy. Verse 4. Um... Verse 5, excuse me. For you have been my partners, notice that word partners, in spreading the good news about Christ from the 
from the time you first heard it until now. So notice this word partners, and notice that it's in spreading the good news about Christ. So there's a lot of ways that we can partner up with people in life. There's a lot of good ways that we can partner up with people in life. But Paul goes to the top of everything, and he says the way we partnered together was for the ultimate reason, and that was for spreading the good news about Christ. Now, before we blow through this and move forward, Believers, I don't want you to miss this because I think if we've heard it before, sometimes it just kind of rolls off of us. If you've never heard it before, I want you to hear it for the first time and not miss it. This good news that we share about Jesus, okay? Jesus is the Son of God. He left heaven and came and lived among people like us. He did it perfectly, and after living a perfect life, he allowed them to put him on a cross so that he could suffer the, the pain of the cross and the pain of suffering and ultimately death. And he came back from the dead. Listen to me. The reason why he did all of that was for you. That's the good news. That is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our life. And that is the good news that we have and that we know and that we experience and hopefully that we share. So don't miss the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is the good news that we partnered together to share. I love partnering with people to spread the good news. Ask me why I get so excited about church planting. Some people are like, what's wrong with this guy? Because church planting is all about spreading the good news. Ask me why I get so excited about church. Because church, listen to me, listen to me, church. Church is all about spreading the good news. I get excited about HC groups. Guess what the purpose of HC groups are? It's all about spreading the good news. One of the coolest moments that I've had lately amongst many others is I got to partner together uh, with our HC group. Our HC group partnered together as gospel sharing partners. We had a family in our group that was praying for their daughter. The daughter was grown. She wasn't a follower of Jesus. When I say it wasn't a follower of Jesus, I mean like didn't believe in Jesus and was headed down a very dark and dangerous path. And this family asked us to pray for their daughter. So our group began to faithfully, fervently pray for their daughter. And after praying for their daughter for quite some time, I'll never forget when mom sat on our couch and got to tell our group, my daughter just became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a moment woo, that took place that was greater than anything else can be. Anything else. Here's the deal. None of us had ever before met their daughter. We were praying for somebody we'd never even met before, but yet we were gospel partners God used us in praying, used parents in sharing, other organizations that are sharing the gospel, and together we were gospel partners. If you were here last week, you got to help us celebrate this, and I think it's worth celebrating again. It's worth noting again. We partner with a church in Indianapolis called North Circle Church. The pastor is John Lau. He's planting the church there, and uh, we celebrated these baptisms. I think we've got a couple of pictures coming up here. I'll go ahead and let that one rest for just a second. Just leave that one right there. John got to come to town this week. We got to have a church planting meeting this week with him and with Aaron and some other pastors getting together and getting things going and, and helping them continue and helping Aaron and the team plant Northwest Arkansas. And so it was a really, really good time. And we had seen these pictures last week 
Well, John put them on the screen for us again, but we got more stories this time. We got some names this time. And there is a partnership there. Many of us have never been to Indianapolis before, but let me tell you what, through our financial generosity, we are partnered together with them in the gospel. And one of these days when we all get to heaven and we celebrate all that God has done, we get to be a part again of celebrating these guys that have been baptized. I think there's four pictures coming up and I got four names. Zach, the next one um, that's coming on the screen there. Um, we've got Alex and we've got Darcy and we got Matthew. You can go ahead and show all those pictures. Just beautiful, beautiful things that God is doing in Indianapolis. We are gospel partners with them. That's what he's talking about here when he looks back to this church. He says, we're partners in spreading the good news. You and I, we are attached deeply as we spread the good news. If I'm preaching and you're praying, guess what we are? Gospel partners, gospel partners. Friend of mine who's a part of our church here, a brother in Christ, he's spending his spring break week with his dad because his dad is not a follower of Jesus. Guess who I'm praying for? I'm praying for my brother in Christ who's sharing the gospel with his dad. And I'll go ahead and say his name, he won't mind. Andrew, would you pray for Andrew, who's a part of our church, who's spending this week specifically, he and his sister together, to share the gospel with his aging dad. Would you pray for Andrew's dad to get saved? That's what gospel partnership looks like. Look down to verse number nine now in Philippians chapter one as Paul continues on. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. In verse 10, this is so cool. For I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand what really matters. Well, let me ask you this question. What really matters? <laughs> Thank you. I had no idea somebody's going to say it out loud. I love it. Knowing Jesus, that's what really matters. You and I got a lot of stuff we think really matter. And in the end, what really matters is whether someone knows Jesus or not. And the only, only way someone can know Jesus is to what? Hear about Jesus. That song we sang earlier that Keaton actually wrote, just talking about the feet of those and the voice of those and the volume of those that are sharing the gospel. That's what really matters. In the end, it's whether someone is forgiven because they have experienced Jesus or whether they are condemned because they never experienced Jesus. Whether they are going to heaven because they've experienced Jesus or because they're going to hell because they never experienced Jesus. We have the good news. The good news that brings forgiveness. The good news that brings salvation. The good news that brings the hope of heaven. The good news that changes our lives now. That's what really matters. So church, listen to me. Let me tell you what really matters above everything else. You and I partnering together to share the good news. That's the reason why Jesus left us here. It's the reason why we are still here. Again, verse 10, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Why should we live this way? So that people will think we're better people than they are. That was sarcasm. No. So that they will see Jesus and the difference that he's made in our lives. That's what really matters. Look at verse number 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. 
the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. We talked about this so much last week. You are righteous, you are holy, you are a saint if you are in Christ. Not if you are in church, but if you are in Christ. He has made you holy, he has made you a saint, he has made you righteous. And then it goes on at the end of that verse to say, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Verse 12. And I, Paul, want you, the church, to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, if you underline, underline that word everything, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Now, if you know anything about the life of Paul, everything is a lot of things. Paul, for a long time, was not a follower of Jesus. Um, he did a lot of good things, but they were in opposition to Jesus. He tried to destroy Christianity. Well, then he met Jesus, and everything in his life went perfectly from there on out. Oh, no, that's not the story you read in the New Testament. By the way, that's not the way your story is going to go either. If anybody told you believe in Jesus and everything's just going to go perfect from that moment on, they told you a lie. Now, if they declared to you that you can have joy and peace in the midst of everything after that, they told you the truth. That's what Jesus can do for you. But Paul went through all kinds of chaos and terrible things in his life, not because of the bad things that he had done, but because he was faithful to share the good news. In the book of Corinthians, I believe it is, he, he, he breaks it down. He tells us how many times he'd been shipwrecked. I'm thinking one's enough, right? Like, but he'd been shipwrecked several times. How many times he had been beaten? How many times he had been in prison? How many times that he had been mistreated and abused? And here's what he says in Philippians, verse 12, chapter 1, I am confident that everything, everything that's happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Everything. Please listen to me. Bad things happen to good Jesus following people in this world today. And let me tell you why. And we're going to talk about this more. It's because we live in a sin-filled, broken world. And God, who is capable of straightening it all out and one day will straighten it all out, is actually letting it all continue now. Why? Because of his mercy. Because he knows there are still more people like you and I that Jesus died for that will believe in him and their eternity is going to be spent with him. And so he allows people like Paul to go through really bad things for the gospel's sake because he knows when they go through them, they are going to point to Jesus and people are going to see and hear and know Jesus. Look at verse number 13. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Did you hear what we just read? He is where? He is in chains. He's in jail. There are chains on his arms and on his legs. If I'm writing this letter, I spend the rest of the time complaining to you about my circumstance, about my predicament, about my problem, about my imprisonment. I'm telling you it's cold. I'm telling you the food stinks. I'm telling you that I want out of here. I'm telling you to pray that God will open the prison door. And yet Paul says that everything that has happened here, everything is causing the good news to go forward faster, faster. Look at verse 14. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without 
fear. So why does God leave Paul in jail? We have seen him break him out of jail before. If you read the book of Acts, there are several stories where he was in jail and God decided to get him out of jail, did some miraculous things to do so. We read about an earthquake a couple of weeks ago while Paul was in prison that ultimately got him out of prison. And yet for this time and for this purpose, God is choosing to leave him in prison. And we see him there knowing that Paul is in prison and allowing him to stay there. The reason why, again, God is leaving him in this place, in this predicament, is because God is using everything and showing off his power to do so, even in a fallen world, for the purpose of redemption. Listen to me, and I want you to follow me in this, and I'm going to unpack this because it, it's, it's kind of a heavy thing, and it's a hard thing, but it's a beautiful thing. I want you to write this in your notes. God wants your prison to become your platform for you to share the joy of the gospel. God wants your prison to become your platform for you to be able to share the joy of the gospel. Now, you'll be like, I've never been to prison. There's a few people in the room that have been. I mean, they've literally been to prison. And if my recollection, like, you know, comes to me clearly, it wasn't for doing good things. It was doing, for doing bad things. Now you're all nervous, like, who is it? Where are they at? Like, where are they? Who, who are we talking about? God changed their life, and now they're using their prison story. Different than Paul's. Paul went to prison for sharing the good news. They went to prison for doing bad things. But God is using their time in prison for them to have a platform to share the joy of the gospel. And some of you are like, well, I've never been to prison. I've never even visited prison. I don't like people that go to prison. I mean, you're just a prison. What are we talking about? This word prison here can stand for your predicament, your problem, whatever it is that you are going through right now, God wants to use as your platform to share the joy of the gospel. God wants to use everything in my life, good and bad, everything in your life, good and bad, to give us a greater opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others will experience the joy, the forgiveness, the salvation, and the hope that we have. Nothing wasted is God's plan. Nothing wasted. Everything being used for the purpose of redemption. That's how God wants to use your life. And when I say everything, I don't know what all kind of thoughts come through your mind. Some of you are trying not to go back to places that you once were because of things that you did or someone did to you. But I'm just here to tell you, listen to me, God wants to use whatever your prism, whatever your problem, whatever your predicament is, God wants to redeem it and allow you to speak into someone else's life. There are times when I hang out with people and I'm like, I have, I have, I have no voice. I have nothing to say. I don't, I don't have any words. I don't, I don't have any connection here because like I've never gone through what they've gone through. And then I walk, I watch somebody else walk into the room who's not like a professional communicator like I am and speak just a few words and they are declared with such volume, clarity, hope, and joy because that person has been through what the other person has been through. Are you with me? You see, they took the 
prison and the problem and the predicament that they were just in before, and they are now speaking hope into someone else. And so if you've been through something, you potentially have the opportunity to say something to someone else who's going through the very same thing. And if you point to Jesus, I'm telling you, great, incredible, huge, miraculous things happen for the honor and the glory of Jesus. Listen to me. The harder your problem, listen to me, the harder your problem, the higher your platform is. I'm going to repeat that. The harder your problem, the higher your platform is. There are some of you in this room that are going through things right now, and when you speak, people just listen. They just listen to anything that you say because they know how hard you've got it right now. And so many of you in this room who are going through really, 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 really hard things are choosing not merely to complain or to gripe or whatever else that you may be able to do. You are choosing in those moments to look to Jesus. You are choosing those moments to point to Jesus, and God is using that for his glory. Let me clear up some confusion when we talk about pain and we talk about suffering. Um, I just want to give you three things that I think are very, very important as we think about this. Um, a lot of times people think, well, they're suffering because of this or they're going through this pain because of that. Listen to me. Suffering is not avoided by having more faith. A lot of people think and a lot of people teach and a lot of people say, well, if you just believed in God more, that would go away. It's not a biblical truth. You should believe in God while you go through that. And if God wants to bring you out of that, he will and he can. But it does not necessarily mean you have a little bit of faith. There are some people in this room right now. There's going to be some people in this room at 1045 who are going through some really hard stuff who have more faith than I do. Okay? Suffering is not necessarily avoided by having faith. Listen to me again. Suffering is not necessarily punishment for sin. Good people have very bad things happen to them. Godly people have very bad things happen to them. Suffering is not necessarily a punishment for sin. We live in a fallen world. Ultimately, sin is to blame for all of it, but it very well may not be your sin that is to blame. Are you following me? Are you tracking me? So if you go to the doctor this week and you get really bad news, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to relive every bad moment of your life and think, God, why are you doing this to me? Is it because I did something bad? He may actually not be doing something to you that is going to bring you pain and heartache because you did something bad. He may actually be providing a platform for you to speak the good news of the gospel that you know and believe and hold dear to your heart. At the same time, we're not wishing, we are not praying for suffering. We're not saying, oh God, I want to suffer. That is not our agenda. That is not our gospel approach. But suffering is not necessarily a punishment for sin. One more thing. Suffering is not beyond the sovereignty of God. In other words, God can use even our pain and even our suffering. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, a lot of you are familiar. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Some of you have a unique platform. And the reason why you have a unique platform is because you are going through some pain right now. Pain that many of us as believers are praying that would go away for you. Sometimes it's a sickness. Sometimes it's a relational pain. All kinds of pain happens in our life. But God is potentially giving some of you a very unique platform.
Not because you're having the best moment, but because you're having the hardest moment. And in those hardest moments, when you and I point to Jesus, people hear, people notice, and people believe the beautiful, beautiful truth of Jesus. I want you to think back just for a moment with me. Uh, question coming on the screen here for you. Do, you. do you remember the person who spoke the gospel into your life? Do you remember the person that just really first introduced you to Jesus? Um, maybe it was a pastor from a platform like this. Maybe it was a friend at work. Uh, maybe it was a friend from high school. Uh, maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your aunt. Maybe it was your Sunday school teacher. But do you remember the person who spoke the gospel into your life? Remember that person? Special person, isn't it? Now, if they were here today and we could talk to them today, I, I don't know how many people they would be able to tell me or you they, they spoke the gospel in their life and they shared the gospel with and they saw more people come to know Jesus or not. But here's what I do know for sure. They would say about you that you were worth it. Because you see, when they crossed that line and they decided to share the gospel with you, they crossed that scary line that a lot of us don't want to cross. And that line that we cross when we share the gospel with someone is they may not like it. They may reject it. They may tell me, no, I might not have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. What if they ask me questions I don't have the answers to? It's a very scary thing to share the gospel. But somebody took the risk. That person that shared the gospel with you did not know everything. They didn't know all the answers to the Bible, but they believed that you needed Jesus, and so they shared the gospel with you. You believed the gospel, and if they were standing here today, they would say it was worth every moment, every risky feeling that I had, every emotion in me that I overcame to share the gospel with you. That's what they'd tell you. You were worth it. And aren't you thankful they thought you were worth it? Where are you going without the gospel? Nowhere good in this life nor in the next. And they would say that you were worth it. Listen to me. Jesus would say the same. He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you. And guess what he would say? You were worth it. Some of you haven't even believed in Jesus yet. And you know what Jesus would say? You were worth it. Worth what? Him dying on the cross for your sin. That's what he would declare to you. You were worth it. Now, as you think about the people in your life, your family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's people that you know, maybe it's those buddies we were talking about earlier that you partner up to do fun things with. That's all well, that's all good. But let me encourage you to know that they are worth it. They're worth what? They're worth you and I stepping across that line, taking a risk and sharing Jesus with them. They are worth it. Their forgiveness hangs in the balance, potentially, of you and I getting bold and sharing the gospel. Their eternity in heaven hangs in the balance of whether or not you and I cross the line believing that they are worth it, that they are valuable to us, that we care about them enough to share the most important thing to us. They are worth it. So as you think back to the person that shared the gospel with you, you were worth it. They took the risk. Think forward to those that are in your life who are worth it, that you need to take the risk and you need to share the gospel with. Paul here, he's in jail. He's not hanging out with his friends. He's hanging out with prison guards. And for some reason, Paul, through the power of the gospel, sees value in these guys that are keeping him in prison. 
The reason why I saw value in them was because they were God's creation that Jesus died for, and he's sharing the gospel with them. And the palace guard, these guys that were keeping him in chains, are coming to know Jesus. And they, too, are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess where soldiers go? Do you know where they go? All around the world. That's what soldiers do. We lived on top of Joint Base Lewis-McChord for eight years. Guess what God did with all those people that we wanted to Jesus? He sent them around the world. Guess what they went forward with? The gospel of Jesus Christ. God was doing that in and through Paul, putting Paul in prison for the platform of preaching the gospel. And so many were coming to know Jesus. So many were coming to know Jesus. Let me ask you this as you think about your friends and the people that, you know, are worth it. Let me ask you this question. Are you doing, you can ask yourself this question, am I doing good things or gospel things with my life? You can fill that in your notes. Am I doing good things or gospel things with my life? And here's what we mean by that. Good things are just that. They're good things. A lot of people do good things. And there's nothing wrong with doing good things. But listen, good things for the sake of doing good things doesn't really accomplish a whole lot, except for maybe help a person, which is good. That is good. But most of the time, guess what good things do for the sake of good things? They make people think we are good people. That is not a purpose of our life. The purpose of my life is not for people to say about me, oh, he was a good guy. That's not the purpose of my life. That is not the purpose of your life. But when we do gospel things, When we do good things for the sake of the gospel, then people start seeing what the purpose of our life is, and the purpose of our life is pointing others to Jesus. So are you doing good things with your life or gospel things with your life? Again, good things are good, but good things for the sake of the gospel is eternal and its impact. Doing good things for the sake of what others think about you, not really the best plan. Doing things for the sake of the gospel. So when we talk about the gospel, are we getting to the place that we're actually talking about opening our mouth and sharing the gospel? Everybody smile at me because this is when you're all nervous. So just be a nervous smile. Are we talking about opening our mouths and sharing the gospel? Yes. Oh, that's just too hard. It, it, it is difficult and it's challenging, but I'm here to tell you it's life-changing for you. And it's life-changing for the person that you share the gospel with. And again, I'm telling you that whoever you share the gospel with, it will be worth it. What if they say no to the gospel? I'm here to tell you it will still be worth you sharing the gospel with them. To know I have told them the most important, most incredible truth ever known to mankind. To know I shared it with them that I shared it with them. Um, I read this quote this week, and so church, listen to me. Believers, listen to this quote. It's from Tony Morita. It comes from a a book that he's written. It's called, uh, excuse me, the, the quote says this. Perhaps our failure to talk about the gospel to unbelievers is tied to our lack of talking about the gospel to anyone, including one another. And when he says one another, he's talking about the people we go to church with. I'm gonna repeat that. Perhaps... Our failure to talk about the gospel with unbelievers is tied to our lack of talking about the gospel to anyone, including the people we go to church with. 
If you want to find yourself being able to share the gospel with others, you need to have more gospel conversations with those who already believe in the gospel. Okay? If you're rolling out of here this morning into a class, cool, great, wonderful, do your best to talk about the gospel in that room. There is not a safer, greater opportunity to talk about the gospel than with other believers. If you are a mom or a dad, you should have gospel conversation after gospel conversation after gospel conversation with your kids. Even if they're already believers, you should have gospel conversation after gospel conversation. Here's what I will tell you parents. Parents, if you start sharing the gospel with your kids, you will find you will learn more about the gospel than you've ever known before. Why? Because you're speaking it. They're responding to it. They're going to ask you really hard questions, and you're going to get stuck on it. You're going to say, let me get back with you on that. They're going to pose things that you've never thought about before. They're going to show you a faith potential that you've never shown before, a childlike faith that's going to blow your mind. Have gospel conversation after gospel conversation with your children. Church, have gospel conversation after gospel conversation with your fellow believers. Talk about the gospel. Talk about the forgiveness of sin. Talk about the righteousness that Christ brings into our life through this incredible, incredible work. Again, God wants your prison, whatever that may be, your predicament, your problem. He wants it to become your platform to share the gospel of joy gospel of joy. As we wrap our time up this morning, and I know you've been challenged, um, man, I just want to give you a couple things to consider. First one this is this, just to believe what you've heard about Jesus this morning. We've talked about the good news. We've declared that Jesus died for you. We've declared that he suffered there for you, for your sin and for your sake, and that he came back from the dead. This is the good news. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and you confess with your mouth that he came back from the dead. It says you will be saved. Give him all of your sin and all of your junk and allow him to forgive you and cleanse you and make you his own. Maybe your next step today is just to allow God to use your prison. You can put the word problem there if you want to. You can put the word predicament there if you want to. But I'm here to tell you where God is working deeper and greater in some people's lives today than, than, than anyone else in our church or some of the people who are going through some of the hardest stuff right now. That's not me wishing hard stuff on you. That's not me wishing for you to stay in your hard stuff. But I'm here to tell you those people that are looking to Jesus and pointing to Jesus as they're going through that tough stuff, man, he is using them in incredible, incredible ways. You've got problems. You've got predicaments. You've got a prison, if you will. And God wants to use that. For you to be able to share the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. Um, I feel like what we said this morning was most definitely true. I pray that your spirit will use it in our hearts and you'll translate everything I was trying to say. Uh, to encourage us and to stir us up towards sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, if there's one here today that's never received you as their Lord, as their Savior, and never experienced the forgiveness that we speak of and the salvation that we speak of, I pray that they would trust you and believe in you today. For those of us who know you, God, we, we've got our problems, we've got our predicaments, we've got our stuff, we've got our prison, if you will. I pray that we will look to you, and I pray that we will point to you during that time. 
For those that are going through really, really hard stuff right now, I pray that your joy would overwhelm them in the midst of their heartache and their struggle and their pain. I pray that your hope will fill them. And as that fills them, I pray it will overflow them and they will point others to you. Thank you for this wonderful church that we get to be partners together in the gospel here in our city, here in the ministries that we carry out, here in the places that we go, and the many other places that we get to share and that we get to give and that we get to go. Father, we just pray for you to bring about a harvest of souls as we are faithful to talk about the gospel. May we talk about the gospel more with our saved friends. May we talk about the gospel more with our lost friends. May the gospel be the center of our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.